Okay, looks like we can get started. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. We're not using any slides today. We're just going old school. So our title for this morning is Who is Responsible for Carrying This Nation Through Brexit? And whilst we're going to stand here and talk about Brexit, one thing I want to make clear is everything that we say today is relevant for the next battle and the one after that and the one after that. We're using this because it's the current battle that we're in. So we were declaring before we are sons. And I hope you meant that when you said it. The first question I had written at the top of my piece of paper is, are we God's people? Now, if you meant it when you said you're a son, then you've got to mean it. You've got to be able to say yes to this question. But more specifically, are you one of God's people? We're not just looking at this from a corporate perspective, but from an individual perspective. So if you've read any of the document that Pastor Tony sent out a few months ago, which I, I hope you have, <laughs> if you've been listening to anything that's been said over the last weeks and months, I think you'll agree that one thing that stands out is it's time for the church to rise. It's time for the church to stand up, to take a stand, and to do something, to speak. So who or what is the church? Is it just an institution that you look at the Catholic Church, you look at the Church of England, you look at the church in the nation? Is it, is it the church that's got to stand up? Just some institution that's nothing to do with me, it's a much bigger than me, it's a huge institution, or is it pastors and leaders? Is it Pastor Tony that's got to stand up? Is it Phil, Paul, M, Ange, Pastor Carol? Is it those that have got to stand up? Or is it the people? Is it, more specifically, you and me? Are you including yourself in that stand-up, step-in? Is it being spoken to you or to the person next to you? So let's see what God has to say about his people. If we go... Well, this scripture jumped out at me. I was sat flicking through my Bible, wasn't actually thinking about what we were preaching, wasn't thinking about that at all. I'd actually got a new Bible and I was just flicking through it. I wasn't even seriously reading it. But this scripture jumped out at me. Literally jumped off the page and God spoke so clearly to me. It's like, okay, I better take this seriously. So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, starting at verse 14. Is it? Yeah. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple or this nation so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. So are you still saying yes to that question? Are you one of God's people? Then listen really carefully to this, because this is the key point in everything we say today. This is what God spoke to me in this moment, and this is key to everything. The future and the destiny of this nation is not in the hands of the government, politicians, minority groups who might make lots of noise, or even in the hands of the people themselves. The future of our nation is in our hands, in the hands of God's people. 
So just let that sink in for a minute. The future of this nation is in our hands. It's in your hands if you truly believe you are God's people. So what are you going to do about it? This might excite you. You might think, yeah, we've got power. We've got authority. We can make things happen. It might stir something inside you. It might stir hope. Great. We want it to stir hope. But there needs to be something more. God says in Luke 12, 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So if we've been given this great responsibility, what is God actually asking of us? Spider-Man's uncle put it, with great power comes great responsibility. So if you believe, which the Bible says, we have great power, that means we have great responsibility as well. So that scripture that I read started with an if. If my people. Which means God will respond, God will listen if his people do something. But it also means there's a reverse to that. What if we don't? What happens then? So let's read a bit further in verse 19. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and the commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel or Britain from my land, which I have given them. I will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple, this nation, will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced their other gods, worshipping and serving them. That's why he has brought disaster on this land. So when I say the future of the nation is in our hands, if we don't do something, if we don't respond, our nation is going to face disaster. We are the ones with the power to change that. We are the ones with the authority to turn the situation around. And I want to make it clear that when I say we are the ones, again, I don't mean Pastor Tony. I mean you. You are the one with the authority to change this. When you look at some of the great leaders in the Bible, let's just stick with the Israelites because this has been the topic. Look at Moses. Look at Joshua. They couldn't achieve all they achieved. God, they were godly, powerful people, but it was the, the behavior of the people themselves, the behavior of God's people that determined where they went. It didn't matter how godly Moses was. When the people decided they weren't listening, they got stuck. They couldn't move forward. It didn't matter what Moses wanted to do. So very careful when I say it. it's not that it doesn't matter what Pastor Tony and what the other guys do, but it's not their responsibility alone. If we don't follow, if we don't walk with them, if we don't support them, if we don't take our stand in this, they can't do it alone. So you might ask the question, but what can I do? This is a great question if it's actually a question. If you're making, 
If it's not really a question because you've already decided there's nothing I can do, I'm one person, there's nothing I can do in this situation, there's nothing I can do to help, then it isn't a question and we can't answer it. If it is a genuine question and you mean it and you're saying, okay, I'm stepping in, I'm with you, I'm behind you, what can I do? Then it becomes a great question because there's no point us standing here saying you have to respond, you have to do something without telling you what. So the first thing is consecrate yourselves. We've got to be a holy people. We've got to make sure we completely give ourselves over to God and remove everything which is unholy and contaminates us and our lives because God is looking for a righteous and holy people who can stand and represent him. Last week, Pastor Tony talked about being stirred by a noble theme. Um, Ralph and Irene talked about in prayer meeting this morning what it means to be righteous, virtuous, good, honorable, upright, decent, uncorrupted, moral, ethical, reputable, magnanimous, generous, self-sacrificing, and brave. This is what you are when you consecrate yourselves to God. What more noble theme is there than advancing the kingdom and making God's will known in our nation? So what happened to the Israelites when they tried to go to war but hadn't consecrated themselves? They'd allowed unholiness to creep in. Joshua 7 shows us. The Israelites had been unfaithful in regard to the devoted things, and this made the Lord angry. Joshua sent spies into the land. They came back and said, it's not too difficult. There's not that many. We don't need to send the whole army. Just send a few. It'll be okay. So that's what Joshua did. And throughout all their victorious battles, this one was different. The Israelites were not successful. Some died. Others were chased away. Joshua went to God to find out why. And verse 11 to 13 gives us God's response. Israel has sinned, taken the devoted things, stolen and lied. This is what made them unholy. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go and consecrate the people. Tell them to consecrate themselves. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove the devoted things. So what's making us unholy? And in the end, there was one person who had taken these things. One individual had taken them. So when you stand there and say, what can I do as an individual? The power and the authority that God's people have is you, the one person who had taken it, and yet the whole nation were held accountable. The whole nation lost the battle because of the actions of one of God's people. So our instruction has been given. Stand up. Step in and stay in and stand upon. God is telling us that we can't stand up if we don't consecrate ourselves. So what else can you do to become or to, to step in and be one of God's people? Humble yourselves. So if we go back to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So we've got to realise we can't do it on our own. We can't go out there and do it by ourselves and think, we, we're great, we can do all this on our own, we don't need God. We've got to humble ourselves before God. 
come to a place where we say, okay, God, we need you. You are, the, you are our creator. You are all the, the all-encompassing God. We need God to, to do what we need to do. We can't move a mountain without God, but there's also lots of little things that we can't do without God as well. It's not just the big things we can't do without him. It's everything we, that, that God wants us to do. We need God in the middle. So what happens if we don't humble ourselves? What will happen if we try and start to do things off our own strength? Why don't you go and try it and find out? And then come back and realise when you've not got very far and you're not doing what God wants you to do, that you need God. At first, you know, you might think you can do it and you might see some little results. But the longer it goes on, the further you will get away from God because the more you try and do it on your own, the further away... God will, you'll, you'll walk from God. But that's okay because God will give us opportunities to come back. He'll keep pulling us back in. But the, the more you veer away from God, the harder it will be to get back on there. So humble yourself and just accept that, God, that God's way is the only way. There's no other way. It's God's way. So humble yourself and give yourself over to him and that will then take you down the right path so you can be one of God's people and do what he wants you to do. And the second point of that was humble yourselves and pray. So yeah, pray. We're praying about Brexit. You might think, why are they on about that again? We pray about it all the time. I came to the building in the spirit. I go to the early morning prayer meeting. I'm used, we're praying about Brexit all the time. Or you might be saying, yeah, I prayed six weeks ago. Doesn't say pray once we look up there stay in until so pray until until completion until God releases us from this issue and he's not released us yet because he's still speaking about it so learn how to pray how to pray effectively again Ralph and Irene they must have known what we were talking about because they used addict this morning and this is one of the things Pastor Tony's told us with addict we've got ask declare intercede confess give thanks Right now, we need to understand that we are interceding for our nation. An intercessory prayer is not a one-off event. It is something that keeps going, keeps pushing, keeps pressing until. And we've got to pray what's on God's heart. We don't just come to God with our wish list, with what I want, but it's God, what do you want? What do I need to be declaring? What words are you giving me to speak out? That's what it is to pray effectively. So we need to also tune our ears so that we can connect to the frequency that God is sending. And if you're not tuned into the frequency of God properly, how can you hear what God's saying? How can you know what to pray for? So therefore, we must tune our ears, but also continue to check that we're on the right frequency, that we're hearing God clearly. It's like when you've got a radio and you think, oh, yeah, I can hear everything. And then you might go in a bit of a black spot or... You might miss a couple of words because there's a little bit of interference. You think, oh, actually, maybe I'm not tuned in fully to what is being said through, through this frequency. So you've got to get that DAB digital accuracy and, and clarity with what God is saying. And that's what we need. We need a fully digital signal and so we can hear accurately from God and that we're not missing key parts of what he is saying. So how do we do that? Well, keep going back to the, 
scripture. Keep going back to the word of God. And the more time we spend in the word, the more time we read what's being, being sent out by Pastor Tony, the more we deep, go deep into the scriptures of God, the more we will tune ourselves to the voice of God because we will become familiar with what God is saying and we'll be able to tune our, our own ears to be able to hear what he's saying. The next thing you can do is declare. Keep declaring the word. Now, we've got banners all around here. There's loads of them. But we've also got banners that we've taken down. Now, why have these banners been taken down? Is it because they're no longer relevant? Is it because we've got a new word, we move on? No, because every new word we get builds on what came before. So all these words we've had over months, years, have been building to this point. When Shirley spoke the other week, she said, God speaks his word in advance so that we've got something to hold on to when we come to the battle. And as we've been thinking, there's been so many words that just keep coming back to me. Now, the banners that have been taken down, like we said, they've not been taken down because they're no longer relevant. Hopefully, they've been spoken long enough that they've become a part of you and you no longer need something stuck on the wall to remind you because it's in your heart. So when we say the battle is winnable, does that still resonate with you? Have you got to a point where you think this battle's too big? No, this battle is winnable in the same way that every other battle we've fought, every other battle we've won, this one is also winnable because God spoke that word to us and it's the word for us to keep declaring. When we talk about Christ revealed, the church reformed, city transformed, these words are relevant. These are what have got to keep us pressing in and pushing into what God is saying because the whole point is for Christ to be revealed. We talk about the church having to stand up. The church is not going to stand up if it isn't reformed. We've got to stand up right. We've got to be right standing with God before we can stand in front of men. We talk about for Zion's sake, I will not keep quiet. We can't keep quiet. We've got to keep declaring this word. These have got to be a part of us, who we are and what we're doing in every day. And we shouldn't need to be reminded of them constantly because like we said, these have got to be a part of you. Something you declare in your own time at home. If you're reliant on the banners here, you'll only ever do it here. So as you keep declaring these words that are being being spoken from from the the front and from the, that we're hearing on all the banners around, we can become the word of God ourselves. So as we capture the word of God and hear the voice of God, we can speak it out. So the more we speak the word of God we become the word of God. The more we become the word of God, the more the voice of God will be, will be heard by others through us. And because the word of God and the voice of God has the power, if we become the word of God, then we will carry that power within us as well. So when we speak out, we have that power that God has given us to speak his word, and then that will have an impact It'll have an impact in society as we speak it out into our community. It'll have an impact on individual people's lives so that when you're speaking to someone, because you you are the word of God, everything you say is the word of God. Then The more you speak it out, the more you become that word. Now, you might not see the results immediately, but there's something, what you've done is planted that seed. The more you speak out, you've planted a seed here, you've planted a seed there so that when... Either others can come in and water it, or you can go back and say, oh, do you remember when I spoke that? 
here's, here's something else. So you can go back in and water it. So the more you speak the word of God, the more you can become that word of God. And become visible. Now, this is the one for both me and Dave. This is quite a tough one. We don't like to be the center of attention. We don't like to be seen. We like to blend in, be a part of the crowd. But that's not what God's people are called to be. We're called to stand out. The other banner we had, or part of one of the ones we've already referred to, high visibility, maximum impact. If we, as God's people, want to have maximum impact on our nation, we can't do it by hiding away. We can't do it by when we refer back to the prophecy from Dr. Jonathan David about Europe and Britain, come out of the cave, stop hiding. We've got to have that impact and we can't do it if we're not seen. Do you know, I had a situation at work where they were all talking about Brexit and what a disaster it is and no good's going to come of it. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, great, I'm going to have to say something. So I did. It's like, actually, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that no good can come of this. And as soon as I started to speak, there were three other people that said, no, actually, I'm with you. I'd, I don't think that no good will come of this either. I think this can be good. Those three people were not going to say a word. They were sat quietly letting everybody else tear it apart and say what a rubbish situation it is. The minute one person said, no, okay, I'm going to say something different. The minute one person stood up, it was like a beacon that they could join and say, do you know what? Yes, I agree with you. You've got to be that person to stand up, be seen, be visible, and allow others to come and join you. But by hiding, they've got no one to join. So being one of God's people, we have, it was mentioned in the prayer meeting this morning, we have standards. We've got to reach for those standards that Christ demonstrated. To be one of God's people, we have to be more Christ-like. So we have to set a standard up here of truth, of righteousness, of um, uncorruptible nature. You know, we've got to be one of those people that stands out. We can't be the ones that maybe just um, negotiate a bit with our, our own morals. You know, we can't just think, oh, it'll be okay this time. I'm not, I won't do that, that right thing. I, you know, I'll just go down this path and no one will ever know. We've got to stand out. We've got to reach those high standards. And being one of God's people requires us to get ready for the battle. It requires us to, if you look at the, the, the banner at the back, all the, the army that stood there, they're all ready, ready to go. They've got the armour on and that's what we need. We need to, when we stand up, we need to have the armour of God on. So in Ephesians, it says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Then it says it again. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So that's the truth that we've just been talking about. With a breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace and in addition to this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God so being one of God's people we need to be ready we need to have the armor of God 
on us. Now we've seen over a few years, we've had quite a few battles in this church. We've seen Shirley and Andy gave a testimony the other week about their battle. Paul and Emma have had their own battle with their, the word that they were gave 10 years ago. Well, it's not, you know, we're not talking life and death of someone's health or we're not praying for a specific person to get better. For them internally, it's been a battle for them to stand against every, everyone saying, well, it's, you know, it's been 10 years now. Do you not think you maybe want to give it up? No, they stood on that word because that's their own battle. We've, we've had battles with, lots, with the children, Z and Tembi, Tom and Grace, their children, David and Claire's grandchild. You know, we've had all these battles that have come through. And all these things could have derailed us as a church. You know, all these things that have come in could have knocked us off course, could have distracted us. But we came together as one body. And we fought, we stood in the gap, and we fought these battles, and we've come out the other side victorious. But all these battles, this is not the war we're fighting. These are just circumstances that are coming along that are trying to distract us, trying to take us out. They're just smaller battles within the war. And that's what the enemy uses to try and take us off course. He will use these situations to try and veer us from where God is taking us to try and distract us, think, oh, we need to go and focus on this now. Let's forget Brexit now. We need to, you know, we've got our own problems in here. No, we need to focus on what God is saying and where he wants us to take, wants to take us. So if you look at the Second World War, for example, in the Second World War, there was loads of battles going on all over the world. There wasn't just a European battles going on. All over the world, there was five, at least 550 named battles in the Second World War that went on from Europe to places like Solomon Islands, all the little Pacific Islands, all in Africa, little countries in Africa that were being fought over. All these battles. Now, it wasn't England versus Germany or the Allies versus the the Germans and the Nazis and all that sort of stuff. It was good against evil. So that what what happened in the Second World War is all these places around the world saw that tyranny, you know, it was trying to take over all the good places. So these battles that were being fought, whilst they may not have had um, an, a big impact on the, the overall war, for those people individually, they were quite key. They were affecting their individual lives. And that's what these battles that are... For all these individual people, they affect their individual lives. But corporately, the war is not being affected too much by some of these battles. But there are some key battles which will turn the course of the war. So you look at battles like Dunkirk, the Battle of Britain, you know, all the big ones you've heard of. These were key battles that turned the course of the war into, into the Allies' favour. And all these battles that we've been facing, they've been building our strength. They've been building our resolve. They've been building our faith up. If you think when Danielle came into the world and we had to stand, stand for them, I can't remember another time in this church where we've had to pray for a physical heart to be restored to 100%. You know, I've been there quite a long time and I, I'm not aware of any other time we've had to stand in the gap for a heart, an actual heart to be restored. So when that came up, there may have been people in here who think, you know, that's a big ask. 
this is an actual baby we're talking about here. Can we, can we be that, those people who will pray and will stand? And can, really, can God really do this? Some people might question that. But we stood, we prayed, and now look, when you look at her, you wouldn't think there's anything wrong with her. So you think, okay, we've stood on that and that worked. And then a few years later, Harry comes along. He's in intensive care. He needs prayer. Hang on a minute. We've been here before. We know we, when, we, when we stood then, we know God healed then. Okay, so let's go again. Let's fight this battle again. Harry completely restored again. You look at him now, you wouldn't know any different. So we know God can do this. And then David and Claire's grandchild, again, the same thing. We stand in the gap. So now we have the faith to believe that when we pray as a church, God can work miracles. So now we're facing a similar situation again. We know that as a church, when the call comes, we can stand up, get ready to pray, step in, step into the faith that we've built upon, stand upon, keep declaring the word that we know he is our healer, and stay in until healing comes. So we know we can do that. So all these battles that we've been going through, we've won. We've come out the other side. And during the war, when someone loses a battle, it weakens them. It might take out half their half a platoon or half their army or their, all their resources are destroyed. And one thing when Andy and Shirley spoke a couple of weeks ago about their battle they've been going through, Andy said at the end, this isn't the, about the war. This isn't what we're fighting for. This isn't the main, the main thing that we're, we're going to war on. This is just a battle that we've been distracted by. There is something bigger that we are fighting for. And the ultimate aim of the war is to get the kingdom at the centre of this government and the nation and that Brexit is a major part of that. Brexit is one of these key defining battles that we're going to have to fight for. So, are you one of God's people? Are we one of God's, we are one of God's people. It's our responsibility, but what are you going to do about it? Are you ready for the attack on the enemy that's going to come? Large battles like Brexit require large armies and dedicated soldiers to fight for the cause. That's what we need to be. The soldiers, when in the wars, are trusted by the generals to carry out the tactics, to carry out the strategies that they've put in place. That's what God sends the leaders for, giving us the strategies to put in place to go and fight these battles. And as we've heard, we can't rely on the leaders to go and do it for us. We've got to be the people that go out and do it. So what do we need to be one of God's people? Consecrate yourself, prepare yourself spiritually, humble yourself, put on the armour of God and hear the command from God, stand up. That means something's going to happen. If you haven't got the armour on, you're not ready to go. We need to be ready to go because the, the call has come to stand up, so we need that on. So the fate of the nation is in our hands. It's not in the hands of the current government or the EU or any earthly power. But the fate of the nation is in the hands of God's people. So who are God's people? Me and you. We are God's people. So the challenge that we want to set or is being set to us is what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it as a church? Stand up, step in, stand upon and stay in 
until we see, or until God says, or until we see a breakthrough, or until whatever it is we're praying for comes through. Amen? It's a challenge. You know, on Friday, on Thursday evening, I had um, a meal with one of the Australian pastors uh, who spoke yesterday, sorry, who spoke at Scott's wedding, Pastor Phil, and he, his daughter works for, uh, she's come over here on a placement to work in the, in the legal system, but she's been so captivated by the cause of where she's working that she's decided to stay here. So the mum and dad can and realise that when the daughter was going with her husband, that they knew that it, this wasn't just going to be a six-month placement, but there was going to be a, uh, something more than this. Anyway, long story short, she's connected to a woman that I know who's a barrister. And um, you know her, Andy, because you and I went to see this woman a long time ago. And when I was talking to Pastor Phil about my heart towards Brexit, he went, that's amazing, he said. That's amazing, he said, because everything you're saying is what this legal team is saying. And they're trying to push it out in the nation as well. And these, this woman is, uh, is a, a barrister and she defends all the Christian cases that get um, abused, not back. You know, you know, anyone Christian has a voice in this nation gets shut down. Well, she's the lawyer that actually stands up for the churches and things like that. And they're saying exactly what we're saying. So I thought, ha, I know I'm not on my own, but it's good to know now that there's somebody else. And then he starts telling me all these guys that were there when he, when he went to see, see his daughter at the office, all these people. And there were all key players who I've known for years, who they all feel the same. So I'm thinking, wow, there's a cave here. So then I says to Phil, I said, when you go back to your, to your, uh, when, you, when your daughter goes back to work, tell him it's not enough to have the same heart. Open the mouth and start speaking. Now, they're trying to do what they can, but we still need the voice. If the voice in the nation doesn't speak about Brexit, I want to say the voice, the church's voice, what is God saying for the future of our nation, not what the politicians. It's very clear that Theresa May does not know what she's doing and her government, and I don't blame her. Because it's not just something you can just sit down and, and have a five-minute conversation. Yeah, we want this, we want that, we don't want this, we don't want that. It's so complex. And we've had, how long have we been in there? 45 years, is it? 45 years of being together. And so when you pull something apart, you're not quite sure what the shape looks like. And there'll be losses and, and, and there'll be gains on this. All I need to, to know is we're hearing from God. You're hearing from us, which means you're hearing from God. So we all corporately have this message. We all corporately have this message. And now we must all corporately rise. Now, you, hopefully you will have your next paper will be sent out. It's been difficult writing this one. I've written it and wrote, wrote it and rewritten it and thrown it away. And oh, it's just gone on and on and on forever. And I just can't seem to get the right. But now I've got the right click, I think. And now it's like, stand away. Let it go. So it's being edited now. And uh, hopefully you'll have it. And uh, this one is very different. 
but it's still clear. Remember, the title is, does anybody know the title? Crucial, go on. Significant Thoughts for Crucial Moments. How the church has got to speak to the nation. The church, God must speak to his church so the church can speak to the nation. And uh, these are the things. So there's problems in the church nationwide. And if God can't speak to his church, then the church can't speak to the problem beyond the church. But God must speak to his church to fix the thing. The people in the church and the way they function. So... We're not politicians. We don't want to be politicians, but we do need a voice in our nation. We will not let our nation go down on our watch. And the, and the greatest, the government are very clever. So stupid, but so clever. And what I mean by that is they've deliberately contaminated the airway so nobody understands anything. And the greatest, the greatest move anyone can bring upon a nation is confusion. And when people don't understand, that's what when Lisa's having her conversation with the fo- folks at work, some people don't understand and, and other, others will. And people have one little bit, they have a soundbite and they try and fix the world on a soundbite. Politics is incredibly, incredibly complicated and yet sometimes incredibly simple. And you do need intelligence without a shadow of a doubt. It's not for me to be in politics. No way. I know where I belong. But you know what? To some degree, I do like being the ear for heaven and saying what God says. It's up to other people to take the word and fix the problem. My job is to get the word and speak it out to you. And I've enjoyed doing that and writing it. And uh, if people want to slag me off for saying it, at least I'd rather get slagged off for saying something than doing nothing. Amen? So, well done, guys. Stand up. Step in. Stand upon, stay in, until, until when? Until whatever God is saying, he's done. Amen? I stood here the other day until two people, until he finally kissed her. Kind of worked out, how do I kiss her? Do we go to the left? Do we go to the right? And then it was like two, two bull mastiffs going at each other. Like, speaking in tongues going on at the front here and everything was going on. He's like, whoa. And then he must have liked it because all through the night, he kept on doing it. So, <laughs> he had permission then, that's it. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> so let's stand to our feet. It's been a good day today. God's presence has been amongst us and we've been amongst his presence. And... Uh, It's good to be in the house of God. So, Father, we thank you for those who have gathered. Lord, we know you've impacted our hearts today. Keep speaking to us through the word. Keep speaking to us in our individual walk with you. Father, be with us in our fears. Be with us in our concerns. Be with us in our lack. Be with us in our confusion. Speak to us, O God, and make your ways so clear to us. Bring the anxiety and confusion and, and all those things, Father, that, are, that, that seem to, at times tend to flow like a raging river. Father, bring your peace to us. Let our nation be at peace. Let the church within the nation be attentive. 
Let not the church be passive when she should be active. But Father, I pray right now that you bring peace to every troubled heart in this place. And clarity to every confusion. In the name of Jesus. Let the blessings of God, the peace of God, and the understanding of God be upon you. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Amen.